You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, all the um, excitement and optimism and everything kind of took a little bit of a gut punch as the uh, injury bug kind of bit the Green Bay Packers a little bit. Granted, there's nothing really new for this week. MVS was sort of doubtful um, kind of coming into this game, and we knew Zadarius wasn't going to play, but it took a little bit of a darker turn as we realized both of those guys are injured worse than we thought, or at least in... uh, MVS's case, he was injured worse than we thought. In Zadarius's case, they realized he's going to need surgery, and anytime you hear a guy go under the knife, that alone requires a certain amount of recovery. Um, I mean, obviously they did it. The reason they didn't do it at first is they thought they could avoid it. This is very similar to the, um, what's his name, Michael Thomas situation. He didn't get surgery. Exactly how that all planned out is debated between Michael Thomas and the Saints, but Ultimately, they were hoping he wouldn't need it so that he could play. And then shortly, I think before the season started, they're like, no, this isn't going to work. He's going to need surgery. And then obviously the recovery time for that means he's not going to play during the season for a while. So it's unfortunate. And it's one of those things you wish they would have realized it immediately and said, you know what, let's just do surgery. Um, But I think they thought he could recover and he just wasn't recovering and um, it just wasn't working, you know. And so they realize it just needs to happen. And so he's going to be out for a while. There's all kinds of tweets about it. But uh, as far as the official news goes, this my, via uh, Mike Garofolo on Twitter says, Packers linebacker Zadarius Smith underwent back surgery this week, sources tell me, and rap sheet. He's expected to be out an extended period of time, though the hope is it's not a season-ending situation. So, I mean, we've had these situations before. Many teams have. It seems very doom and gloom right now. Obviously, it's not a good situation, but the ideal situation here is, for example, the Packers go on to win several of their games. And remember, these aren't all automatic losses without Zadarius. We haven't really had him all season anyways. Uh, Beat the Steelers, beat the Bengals, beat the Bears, beat Washington. Um, You know, you go on down the line, let's say a couple of these are losses. So even if we have, let's say, a 12-5 and season, the... Ideal situation is, uh, let's say he comes back week 17 against the Minnesota Vikings, January 2nd, right? The, the, the reason I call that ideal isn't necessarily because we need him against Minnesota, which we may, but you just don't want him to start his first game in the playoffs because you hope that he's going to um, have some time to recover. But I mean, that's we're still, once we hit January, we've got two more games. We've got Minnesota on the 2nd and Detroit on the 9th. And then presumably after that, we're going into the playoffs. So he will have had two games under his belt as much as, again, it always seems devastating in the moment, but there's a lot of football left. I mean, we're talking three months. I don't know if he can come back in that amount of time, but um, 
the point is the the ideal situation would be we're kind of back to full strength. I mean, at that point against Minnesota, granted, the injury bug could bite anybody at this point, and we could lose a bunch more players, but we should have Bach back. We should have Elton Jenkins back. We should have, hopefully, maybe MVS back. Now we have Zadarius back. We're coming back stronger and more ready to play football and just stronger, harder, whatever. So um, this isn't a season destroyer unless we can't win enough games to get into the playoffs without Zadarius, and I don't think that's the case. Could be wrong, but I don't think that's the case. Again, I'm still kind of in what-is-this-team mode, but I do think they have what it takes to beat the Steelers, although, to be completely honest, as much as I'm not the biggest MVS fan, that one probably makes me more nervous than Zadarius, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but just kind of as I started thinking through game plan and everything else, it's like, oh, that that would be a guy that we could definitely use. (laughs) But, um, you know, the Bengals, they're off to a hot start. I don't think they're unbeatable. The Bears clearly are in a death spiral. Um, Washington lost Fitzmagic, so I don't think that's a super dominant team. I mean, any team has certain things you can look at and say they can beat us with that, right? But again, if the Packers are what they are, if the Packers can stay playing at a high level and utilize all the talent to its full potential, they shouldn't be losing these games. Because at the end of the day, they do have more talent than Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Chicago, Washington, um, Arizona, possibly Kansas City. I mean, I know they have more talent than Kansas City, but I mean, that team may be collapsing faster than I anticipated. Um, They have more talent than Seattle. Again, you can point to their strengths, but we have strengths too. And I know the strengths are scary, but that's how football works, right? It's not, we're not playing high school football teams here. I kind of feel like maybe some fans are like me in that when they played Madden back in the day, they played it on easy because let's be honest, I'm as much as it gets boring to play it on easy, nothing makes me more angry than losing. (laughs) So it's, it's a, it's a toss up, but the point is it's like, there's this feeling that it should be easy for some people. And, And even again, even for me on some level, you know, when I'm watching football, and even when I'm railing against some fans, there's a part of me that 100% understands it, but I'm trying to appeal to the rational part of my own brain as well as yours so that we can both be happier. You know, when the opposing team drives down and scores a touchdown, I throw up my hands and I'm like, I'm done with this team. I'm done with this defense. I can't take this anymore. They suck. And it's like, did you not think they would get seven points? Or what was the thought process here? What were we thinking about uh, about this game? I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going on here. And it's like this weird little dance that I have to do where it's like, okay, I'm being an idiot, but let's be honest. I mean, they should never give up touchdowns, right? I mean, that's, I don't understand. I'm I'm irrationally angry for some reason, and I'm a pretty rational person. So obviously that shouldn't have happened, I feel like. Anyways, um, I mean, look, it's, it's, there's some tough games on the schedule, but I think they've looked pretty good. Uh, fortunately, Preston has taken a massive step, not even, not even as much as a pass rusher, although he has, but if you think about it, just that alone, if, if you look at it as last year, it was mostly Zadarius and Preston, and they didn't give Rashawn a, much of a chance. If you look at how unbelievably bad Preston was, it's kind of a toss-up, depending on what Rashawn's potential is, between um, 2021 Rashawn, 2021 Preston, and 2019 Zadarius and, and Preston. Because again, Preston was just so bad, so bad in every respect. And again, with, with the, the numbers, Rashawn's doing a good job, but you know, we, we, 
at the end of the day, we do need to see him just lay out a quarterback at some point. Even if he gets draws a flag, I don't care. I just want to see it. Just rip the guy's head off. Just one time, be like, all right, here he goes. Now he's got it. And really, this is this is the benefit of the Packers doing what they always do and drafting guys that you feel like we don't need. You know, again, Rashawn was drafted right after we picked up Preston and Zedarius. The one thing you think we don't need at that point, when we just picked up two free agent pass rushers, they go out and get a pass rusher, which felt silly at the time. I think the only reason it didn't is because we had zero. So it's like, all right, fine, I'll take three at this point. But if we had already had Preston and, and Zadarius and saw how beneficial that was, and then the next year drafted Rashawn, we would have thought that that was stupid. But now we're in a situation where we feel like Zadarius and Preston may not be here next year, and Zadarius got hurt, and it's just, it's it's great to have Rashawn Gary. I mean, the Packers talk, I mean, every team talks about next man up. The Packers talk about it a ton, um, but I feel like they embrace it a little bit more because they understand that's part of the game, and that's why they look for best player available in the draft. I mean, you can talk about next man up all you want, but if you have no intention of drafting any depth or developing any players, if that's not your MO, then you're just saying words. The Packers genuinely believe in it, and a lot of fans don't like it. I mean, I think every fan on some level gets frustrated by it. You know, look at all the players we draft that don't play right away. Right, because they're developing them. They see these as long-term investments, whereas a lot of other teams are like, I picked you because we suck in that position, and you better get out there day one and dominate. And of course they don't, because they, they don't know how to play football in the NFL yet. But Jordan Love, they drafted him, and everyone freaked out. Oh, Rodgers is gone. And they're like, no, we're we're just going to develop him, see how it goes. Like, oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, right. You're you're getting rid of Aaron Rodgers. No, he's he's going to sit, and we're, we're going to develop him. We draft A.J. Dillon. Oh, oh, there goes Aaron Jones. Like, no, we're just... We're just developing the guy. It'll take a while, but uh, we think he's going to be great. Oh, yeah, right. You're getting rid of Aaron Jones. I know it. Yeah, sure. Stupid. You already got Aaron Jones. Like, I know. It's great. And we're going to have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And uh, down the line, A.J. Dillon will probably step up. Draft Amari. Like, there you go. There you go. That's their guy. He's going to be He's gonna be like their number number two, probably. Real, like, to day one, right? Guy doesn't even get on the field. Huh. Bust. Bust. It's like, no, we're, we're just developing him. It's, these things take time, you know. We're, we we have you know it's it's not a it's not a the pa- the Packers don't panic with stuff they're willing to take their time to do it the right way and that's it's it's frustrating again even to me because it's like you know in my mind and even you've heard me on this podcast like dude I think Amari's gonna be real good man I don't know but and then they don't even play him and then you ask him about Amari and and <laughs> the head coach is literally like oh yeah I forgot he wasn't on the field right. Oh, shoot. Yeah, we should probably uh, probably give him a couple things to do. And the next game, all he does is run uh, diversionary jet sweeps, <laughs> trying to, you know, get the linebackers to shift, and then we throw somebody else. By the way, since we're on the subject, speaking of next man up, that's maybe the uh, the bell call for Mr. Amari Rogers with MVS going out. Because again, when you talk about practice, when you talk about game planning, you game plan for certain people, and you only have so much time to do so. And, and I have to assume that they knew MVS wasn't going to be going to be playing this week, or at least had a very strong um, belief. And, and even if he was going to play, he wasn't practicing. And so those reps and 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 even the game plan are built around other people. Now Amari Rogers is not MVS. They're they're built entirely different. They do entirely different things. I mean, one is a tall, skinny, fast guy that runs way down the field. The other is a um, I'm not going to call him short, but a, a stockily built slot guy that generally is going to rely on shorter passes that he's able to, uh, you know, break through some tackles. But on some level, we've got to um, we got to find the next man. And it's 
it's kind of staggering when I look at the targets. I haven't even really looked at it yet. Devontae Adams has had 34 targets so far. The next highest is MVS with 14. The next highest wide receiver is Alan Lazard with five. Alan Lazard has had one-third the amount of targets as uh, Alan Lazard has had one-third of the amount of targets of MVS, which is the same amount as Randall Cobb, who we feel like hasn't seen the ball at all, which is relatively true. And then you got Malik Taylor with three. I mean, Lazard has had two more targets than Malik Taylor. I mean, he hasn't had many more targets than Amari, which is one. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we need a number two to emerge at this point. And uh, Alan Lazard's 52 overall grade, the lowest graded uh, receiver on this team right now is maybe why. Lazard and MVS are sort of the dueling wide receiver twos, and Alan Lazard is off to a real rough start. He did have his best game against San Francisco, finally had an average overall grade, had that one reception for 42 yards, which is great. Um, But we got to have somebody step up. And granted, what you're probably going to see is similar to the 49ers, just a distribution everywhere. I mean, there's there's Devontae who gets the lion's share, and then a lot of distribution. I mean, technically, the number three is Aaron Jones with 10 targets, Robert Tunyon with eight, uh, A.J. Dillon has five at this point. You got Mercedes and Josiah each with one target. Even Rodgers has a, has a reception so far. So there's going to be a good amount of distribution, but we still need somebody to step up. And again, my, my point is, this allows an opportunity for Amari, who, um, I mean, again, technically, as far as wide receivers are concerned, is not far behind anybody. The next highest amount of of targets is four more targets than Amari's had. So if ever they wanted to break out the secret weapon, now might be the time. Get a little bit more Josiah, a little bit more um, Amari, a little bit more Randall, you know, stuff that they just haven't seen much yet. The reason I said that it makes me nervous is we don't really have a deep threat. I mean, technically anybody can be Alan Lazard, Devontae, whatever, but you know what I mean, the speed demon down the sideline. The reason that makes me nervous is we, we know, obviously, the one thing the Steelers do very, very well. Their defensive line is terrifying. And we've seen that before. The Saints have two really good pass rushers. The 49ers have some really good pass rushers. I mean, some of the best. And now the Steelers. I mean, you talk about some of the better uh, defensive line, you know, call it duos or whatever you want to call it. That's three of the top. I mean, we might be talking top 10. I don't really know. I haven't done the the research. I don't care. But the point is, very, very good, especially when you're talking 49ers and um, Steelers. And so, you know, if you look at it just from a simple, uh, you know, a game of chess, your move, my move, you know, we, we move, counter move, whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't know much about chess. I know how to play it. I'm just saying I haven't played it. I was in like a chess club in like fifth grade. I don't even know how that came to be, but I thought it was fun. And I was very excited because I never lost, and then this one guy beat me, and I was, I don't think I've played chess since. <laughs> I've still never lost at Stratego, though, so take that. That's why I'm also never playing Stratego again. But, okay, so the first thing we start with is they're going to bring heavy pressure. And they don't even have to bring extra guys. Point is, they're going to bring what they're going to bring, and that pressure is going to get home at some point, right? Aaron Rodgers can't hold the ball very long. Got it. So our next step is to do similar to what we did last week, which is get the ball out very, very quickly, whether that's screen passes, just, you know, quick passes. To, I mean, it it doesn't take Devontae very long to get 10 yards down the field. So it doesn't have to be like screens and, and you know, whatever. But the point is, it has to be designed to get the ball out quickly, whatever it is. Okay. Generally, that means what? Maybe a maximum of 10 yards. So what would the Steelers want to do? They're going to want to hug up, right? So you've got the defensive line coming. You've got the linebackers 
who can kind of maybe press a little bit, stay inside the box, squeeze the defensive line, possibly bring some additional blitz, you know, stay with those running backs if they're coming out, you know, their their main focus is downfield, downfield, and then you got the safeties covering behind them. That's the main thing, and, and generally what you're going to want to do is, is get a guy like MVS to just sneak behind him. If you're going to play hugging up to me, we're going to get behind you. We, we need you to back up. That's the point. What, what we want is for you to back up because they're coming, and so we're thinking short, and so they're saying, okay, we're going to bring everybody short, you know, kind of like in baseball when people are being super disrespectful because you suck at hitting a baseball, and they're like, everybody, what, what is the thing you call out? come in or whatever. I don't know. Move in, move up. And so when everybody playing that baseball game, t-ball game, softball game, whatever, the in, the the outfielders start to move in a little bit because you can't hit that ball very far because you suck. What do you want to do? You want to smack it over their heads because they're trying to put themselves in a position to where they think the ball is going to go. And so you want to make them pay for that. All right, you want to come up close because you think I can't hit it past the second base uh, bag. Okay, I'm going to smack it to the wall. And you're going to have to run back and chase it, and I'm going to get, well, it's probably still a single because I'm slow, but you're going to not be laughing anymore. <laughs> they didn't do that for me, not because I was good at baseball, but because I was always very tall. And when you're in elementary school and you're tall, everyone's like, dude, he's, he's like the strongest kid in the world. I would never, I would never mess with him. He's, he's literally the tallest kid. Like when we line up for photos, he's on the end. Yeah, it's crazy. So by virtue of being tall, I was always the toughest kid in school without having to do anything at all, (laughs) including being tough. But the point is, we need somebody that can at least threaten, you know, regardless of if MVS is a good football player or not. And and that's, that's sort of the thing. You don't have to think that he's an elite deep threat. You just have to recognize that if you don't account for him, and you can say this about every single speed guy whether they're actually good or not. If if this is an NFL football player who can run behind your safety, you're dead. And I just don't think we have that right now. I think Amari might be our fastest receiver um, at 4-4-4, which, I mean, to be fair, that's pretty fast, but um, I just, you know, even, even Randall, I mean, I don't know what he runs anymore, but back in the day, he was about the same speed. Um, it just doesn't feel like that's their thing, though. You know, I mean, are we going to split them out wide and just have them attack deep downfield? I, I don't know. It would be kind of surprising. You know, I mean, if everything on tape is Amari running jets and going in the slot and everything, and I mean, even you could just even put him in motion, and then when you snap the ball, he just guns it down the field. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because it's accomplishing two things at once. Number one, the coverage would be drastically challenged. Because you're not expecting a guy to go from essentially the backfield to deep down the field. I mean, technically, he's going to be kind of in the slot. But also, you're you're attaining your ultimate goal of if you cheat up your safeties, we're going to try to get behind you. But I guess that's my biggest concern is is that. And ultimately, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with all the speed stuff anyways. MVS ran a 4-3-7. What is the difference between 4-3-7 and 4-4-4? I mean, I know literally what the difference is in terms of how much time difference it is but I mean it's 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 a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second over 40 yards which is really what we're talking about a 40 yard pass so how far behind MVS would Amari Rogers be when when MVS gets to the 40 yard line would he be at the 39 and a half yard line you know what I mean like that's that's what freaks me out about all this even if you run a 448 
So you're a tenth of a second slower. I'm going to nerd out and figure out that answer real quick. Give me a minute here. <laughs> I need to know. All right. I, I officially don't care about the 40 time anymore. Um, all right. You want to know the answer? I was basically right, by the way. So I, I kind of did some reverse engineering. I'm sure there's a faster way to do this, but essentially I calculated miles per hour. Amari over 40 yards is running 18.4275 miles per hour, per hour. MVS 18.7227 miles per hour. So then I said, all right, how far can you go? So we know that in 4.37 seconds, because that's what MVS ran, he goes 40 yards. So at um, Amari's 18.4275 miles per hour, how far does he go in 4.37 seconds? You know how far? 39.3693 yards, about 39 and a half yards. He can reach out and grab his shoulders at that distance. <sighs> 40 times is stupid. It's just stupid. Who's the slowest guy on our team? Now I'm, now I'm really curious. Is it like Malik? How about Lazard? He didn't run fast. So Lazard ran a 4.55. Five. I'm going to do this one more time. So he's running at 17.982 miles an hour. So Alan Lazard, who runs an abysmally slow um, 4.55, if they all just ran down the field, when MVS gets to the 40-yard uh, line, Alan Lazard is at, or excuse me, MVS, uh, Amari Rogers is at the 39-and-a-half-yard line. He's a half a yard behind him. Alan Lazard is at the 38-and-a-half-yard line. He's a yard and a half behind is that really a massive difference? I mean, I understand a yard and a half makes a difference, but if we're throwing a 40-yard pass, I would say there's a good chance that if MVS is open, Lazard is open. Maybe not. I mean, I guess a yard and a half does make a difference, but I it just, just don't care, I guess. I don't know. I'm certainly not looking at this, at least, I mean, and again, Lazard is a, an exceptionally slow player at 4.55. I mean, that's about as slow as you're going to get for a wide receiver. But if we're talking 4.45, even 4.48 or whatever compared to 4.38, a half a yard, give me a break. I'm sorry, Amari's open. Now, MVS is also tall, so you got a little bit of extra there. So it's, you know, you can throw it up a little bit. So you throw it past him and he can outstretch and catch it. So that that makes it a little bit easier to throw to him. But I need need a coach. I need somebody to explain this to me. I just, I don't know. I know it's a game of inches. I understand that. But we're literally talking about inches when we talk about Amari. Fine, I'll, I'll grant you Lazard isn't open. A, a yard and a half. Fine. Half a yard? Amari's open. I'm sorry. By the way, it wasn't that long ago when we had um, Jeff Janis and uh, Trevor Davis who were running 4-4-2s, and those were our blazing fast guys. And now it's like Amari slow running a 4-4-4. I'm sorry. I don't think so. Maybe the answer is it's just a different skill set. Because there is a guy in your way. You're going to have to figure out how to get around and get down the field and all that stuff. I, you know, I don't know. All I'm saying is, in a foot race, a half a yard, 40 yards down the field? Nah, man. I think we take a couple shots. I think we take some shots. But anyways, it seems to be an issue. The Packers seem to be concerned about it, so I guess I'll be concerned about it and just say I'm ignorant and I don't know what I'm talking about, which is fine, because I am. I don't know. I don't know what the difference would be exactly um, in that half yard, but... It's fun to do it anyways, and to get some perspective. Because I've always known this to be stupid, but I also play along because it's what everybody talks about, including the teams themselves, you know, having that kind of speed or whatever. But I mean, I, I guess if you stretch it out over 50 yards, it's, you know, what does it become? Like 
instead of 0.7 yard difference or 0.6 yard difference becomes a 0.8 yard difference. Maybe that matters. I don't know. Anyway, so I, I think that's, that is my biggest concern right now. Assuming that everything I said is just fake and you need a guy that's, you know, a 4-3-7 guy. I don't know. At, at the very least, I think the 49ers, and, and, and here's the interesting thing, though. They have, no teams have been doing that. Right? They've been beating us by playing too high. And if they keep doing that, fine, because last week we realized we're fine without that. And without MVS, we're probably going to be even less inclined to want to even take those shots. I'm not saying we're not going to. Obviously, Devontae, they're going to want to hit a 40-yard Devontae pass, 40-yard Lazard pass, 40-yard whatever pass we can get, we'll take it. And maybe they are just terrified of it. Because we know Devontae, and obviously, I mean, the first play last week, wasn't it? The 40-yard pass to Lazard? So maybe they are just too scared to even try it, and they're just going to keep the safeties back, which, again, is going to work to our advantage because the pressure is going to come. And a lot of our guys, they just let it come. Because the deeper they get, the better off. I mean, look at all those run plays, how impressive those were with with um, with Aaron Jones, where they basically just let the pressure come, and Aaron Jones just escapes their grasp, and now everybody's too deep down the field, and he just runs, and it's just our offensive line, which is already down the field, blocking up their linebackers and safeties, which we didn't have a lot of success with that, but that's the idea, that's the concept. Block them long enough, disengage just at, at, at the right time so that they're not going to be able to catch... Aaron, but you're able to get out in front and block somebody in front. And and the other thing is, if they do dare to say, all right, obviously the two shell isn't really working anymore, you know, keeping two safeties back. So we're going to try a new concept and see if that throws off the Packers and maybe this is the new way to beat them. The thing is, teams adapted this because nothing else was working against the Packers. And this was like the new thing that was going to slow them down. So do you really want to be the team that says, let's just drop the safeties against Aaron Rodgers? Do you want to give him the 40-yard shots? Plus, there's only 11 guys. If you're bringing a safety down into the box to help, you know, stop the run and take away the short passes, which the Packers are going to want to do a lot of, presumably, and you got eight in the box, by my math, if you put eight in the box, that leaves three more. You can't put two on Devontae at that point. And if, again, if, if you're planning to put two on Devontae, all right, so that's two. You've got your five-man defensive front in a, you know, three-four. That puts you at seven. That leaves four, which is two of your linebackers, which is two more guys. It's just a tough situation. I know they've, they've got talent on defense. I understand it's a good defense. But even a tough defense has got to make some, uh, some tough business decisions. The question is, what do you do? I, if, if it's me, again, that's, I'm going to try to make them beat us. My thought is, with this pass rush, there's going to be a lot of running and dink and dunk type stuff. I'm going to want to drift everybody up which means your wide receivers are going to have to beat our corners consistently. I mean, you, you do it once in a while, that's fine, but you're going to have to do it all the way down the field because the pass rush isn't going to stop, and we're not really going to give you the quick, easy passes. And so we got Edmonds kind of roaming around a little bit too to take away the, the quick shots to the tight ends and everything else, and Fitzpatrick's going to be sort of the single high cover in the whole thing. He's doing terribly right now, but he's still making Fitzpatrick. He still has that ability if he can ever wake up. I think that's my game plan if I'm the Steelers. And generally, as, as, as my thought on offense, even though this wasn't Mike McCarthy's thing, he just says, we're going to play our style no matter what. My thing is, okay, what is it you're giving me? Because they're, they're giving us something. They're making a business decision. No matter what happens, every defense is daring you to do something. They're saying, we're going to take away this because I don't think you can do that. And it's tough because I don't know if you want to start your drive saying we're going to take a deep shot when you got the number one edge rusher and the number one defensive tackle coming at you. So it is tough. And so I, 
I hate to say it, but I I feel like the the, the obvious answer here is we're going at Devontae. We we gotta we we gotta we have to at least challenge their premise that if I do this, you're not going to be able to beat us. And ultimately, that's going to come down to trusting the receivers. I mean, it could be the running backs, could be the tight end, could do a lot of different things, right? The, my only concern is I want to throw to guys that I can count on. Tunyon technically counts, but he hasn't done anything so far this year. I know that if we throw to him, he's going to catch it, but he's got to be open for that. But I want to send the guys. I'm not talking about all go or anything necessarily, but they got to get some depth. Because at the end of the day, what they're going to do is they're going to have a lot of one-on-ones. And especially if it's if it's single high, you're not going to see, and and maybe you will. And that's that's going to be the nod. If Fitzpatrick starts to drift toward Devontae, who's getting down the field, then you got to look the other way and hope that he's he's going to beat his guy. Or that somebody is. It could be Randall, could be Amari, could be Lazard, could be Aaron Jones on a wheel route. Bottom line is somebody has to win. And if they can win and they can get a little bit of depth, they have no choice but to say that we have to abort this plan. It's not working. And so Edmonds goes from drifting forward as the strong safety to kind of getting a little bit more depth. The safeties, instead of like pushing forward, they got to back off a little bit, play drop and play a little bit of coverage. But whatever it is, it's a dance. They're going to dare us to do something. And if, if we are the team we think we are, we got to be able to execute it. But we got to attack their weaknesses somewhere. And if it's not a schematic weakness, it's a player weakness. They're, you know, Edmonds, Bush, and Schobert, the, the strong safety and the linebackers are not good football players. Let's send Tunyon at them, see what happens. Or bring Amari and or um, Cobb, right? Because the slot guys are going to be running sort of the, the quick slanty type route, and they're going to be drawing attention from these types of guys. Go beat them. You know, if we're running things like Jets, we, and by the way, this might be a fantastic game to run that kind of stuff, because this is a team where the corners aren't terrible. The defensive line is solid, but it's the linebackers and safeties that are suspect. And so if we start attacking laterally, right, you, you assume that the defensive line is just coming straight downhill. So our, our, our receiver or whoever's coming around the corner should be able to get around them and pass them. And if our wide receivers can block and they can, then what we're talking about is can they beat the linebackers to the edge and the safeties crashing down? Now, again, if they're hugging up, they're probably going to be there. But, but it's just about ta- attacking their weaknesses, taking it back to them. And they do have weaknesses. But again, it's a dance. I mean, this is, this, is, this is a pile of things that you can do. If they're doing what I think they're going to do, try to attack them deep. Try to attack their linebackers. Try to attack their safeties who are not playing very well. It's not going to be the easiest thing in the world. But fortunately, we should have some opportunities because their offense is so bad. I said should, not will. Should means our defense should be able to stop them. Anyways, I got a little ahead of myself with all that anyways. Why don't we go ahead and take a break? Kind of come back and look a little bit more at these types of things. Again, don't forget, we got our uh, Josiah DeGuara signed uh, jersey. Got to go over to Packernet Podcast on Instagram, follow the instructions, etc., etc. Thank you very much to Mr. Mike Lazuski for upping his pledge, getting October off to a rip-roaring start. I really appreciate that. Unfortunately, every single month, people are like, I ain't paying that stuff anymore. So we dropped about 10 patrons, so... <laughs> My my dreams of, of, you know, forward marching, I always hate every month. I mean, I love it because, you know, that's when Patreon actually pays me, but every month a bunch of people are like, eh, I ain't doing that no more. So here's the march back to 260. What do you say? Forget 300. Let's just, can we get eight more for the month? That'd be great. But if you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Um... The family is gone today. I feel like what I'm going to try to spend my entire day doing is setting up some kind of a crypto wallet. I don't know anything about it. I just know everybody I talk to is like, dude, I'm, I'm like big into crypto. I've made a ton of money. It's like, all right, all right, I get it. A lot of people, 
maybe not necessarily crushing it in the dollar department, but apparently they got these accounts over here with a just a pile of, uh, um, <laughs> I literally almost said Bitcoin, like not meaning Bitcoin, like trying to be clever coming up with a name for it, and I'm an idiot. I was thinking like ones and zeros. I'm like, uh, bits, uh, bit, bit, oh shoot, digital dollars, I guess. I tried it once before. It just, it didn't really work. So I'm going to, I'm going to really dive in today and try to figure that out. That, or I'm going to download StarCraft and play that. One of the two. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. I've been wanting to play StarCraft real bad this week. I don't know what it is. Like I can hear the music in my head and it's like, dude, I want to play. If you know, you know. Yeah, I'm moving. Right? You know? I'll probably be Zerg anyways, but I don't want to make those noises. Um, anything else? I don't think so. I think we're, I think we're good. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I real quick while we're here, there's so much to talk about, but there's also a lot of questions about the news that came forward. But I want to kind of pick up where we left off and just flip it a little bit, look at our defense against their offense, um, and then maybe a little bit more into what they've done this year. So again, one of the biggest issues right now, um, and you can think whatever you want about their wide receivers, they're, they're competent. It's the same as their corners, right? These are not elite players, but they're certainly guys that are competent enough to win if you're just not playing well. Um, and so depending on Alexander Stokes King and how that all plays out and my assumption, because this is one of the questions asked is, is King going to get the starter as Stokes? I think what they're going to do is what they told us they really liked. And what they said they liked was trying King in the slot. The real question though is, and it kind of goes to the heart of the question of King or Stokes, when they have two wide receivers, do we take King from the slot to the bench 
or does King replace Stokes and Stokes goes to the bench? My hunch says King stays out, Stokes goes in, but I don't know. And that'll be something to keep an eye on if and when they, well, not if, obviously they're going to have two wide receivers at some point, but when they go two wide receiver, is it going to be Stokes or King? And maybe they'll rotate. I don't know. No idea. Um, but it's something to keep an eye on as, as we are on Stokes' watch to see how much more of King's job he can take every week. But the, the bigger issue is, I mean, you can have the best, I mean, it kind of reminds me of advice I got way back in the day when I started playing fantasy football is don't take good wide receivers on bad teams. And, and the, the general reason is that you can have the best wide receiver in the world, but if your offense is terrible and can't distribute the ball down the field, it's all about stats. How many stats are you going to get when your offense is bad, when your quarterback is bad, et cetera, et cetera? And that's kind of the thing. Ben Roethlisberger right now is one of the worst quarterbacks in football, and I've seen some of the highlights that are just devastating. The one, I think I reshared it, JJ shared it with me, but it's him like throwing a screen pass and just inexplicably belly flops. And um, my immediate thought was, this is like pros versus Joes. Remember that show where like professional people went out and found like average people to kind of go up and play against each other? Except this Joe is like some overweight New York pizza maker. You know what I mean? He's got like the shirt that's too small. He, he looks like uh, the cheeseburger guy from, from Trailer Park Boys. Kind of Randy, but not even Randy. I'm talking about Phil Collins. You looking at my gut? No. Yeah, sure. Oh, I just took a little peek. I saw you. So what are you looking at my gut for? It's bad. And I've kind of railed against it already about how he should have been gone a long time ago. And this isn't a new phenomenon. You know, you look at a couple of, like Minka. You look at Minka and it's like, all right, he's a good football player who's really off to a bad start. But it, he still scares me. You know what I mean? Because you know he's good at football. So is this the week or does he take one more week off before he starts to come back? Or is it permanent? I don't know. But with with Big Ben, there's no reason to believe that he's going to come back. Not to say he can't have a slightly better game, but he's got a new range. So even the high end of his range is relatively low. Like technically, he had a good game against Las Vegas. He had a 72 overall passing grade. That's his high now. His other games are a 56 and a 38. And that bears itself out even if you go back into last year. Right, he had a couple 70s mixed in. He did have 180 week one, so you hope that he doesn't just crack his like superstar potential of an 80 overall grade. But otherwise, I mean, you know, he averaged at a 68. The year before that, he had a, well, he was injured, so it didn't really count. But it just, again, he's not the same guy anymore. It's just, it's, it's over. Whatever Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady or whatever do to keep their body in shape, uh, it's very clear Ben is not doing that. I mean, look at him. He's not doing that. And so at 39 years old, not really taking care of your body and your knees and everything else, um, when you're running around looking like Phil Collins, kind of makes sense. And it's actually kind of funny, even when you listen to Matt LaFleur talk about him, you know, the media is like, well, what do you think about um, Mr. Ben Roethlisberger? And he's like, you know, he's been doing this a long time, and we respect his career and uh his years of service and completely avoiding anything to do with lying about how good he is right now. I mean, they, they, they're not going to say anything. They, there, was no, there was zero compliments about his play in the last three years because the guy's freaking 40 years old, dude. I mean, come, I remember him, I, I forget what year it was. It was a long time ago. He was, he was ready to retire. I want to say it was probably 2018. It might have been 2019 when he got hurt, and just before that it was real bad. I don't know, but 
I remember he was done. He wanted to retire. He wanted to be, he didn't want to play anymore. And then he came back and then he came back again. And it's just, he should have just retired. But based on what even the Packers seem to think, I have to think it's almost the exact opposite in that we're going to let you go ahead and throw the ball. That's not to say we're not going to bring pressure because every time the quarterback drops in the pocket, you want to bring pressure 100%. But it's almost sort of a similar strategy in that we want to make sure you don't have any easy passes. We're going to be kind of crowding a little bit for entirely different reasons, right? For for the Steelers, it's because we want you to hold the to hold the ball because we know our guys are going to get home against your offensive line. Beyond that, you had some success kind of dinking and dunking, and we don't want you to do that. We want to make sure you have to stand in the pocket and deliver down the field with your speed threat gone and with a banged up offensive line against the number one defensive tackle and number one edge rusher. That gives us an advantage. For us, it's a matter of um, we don't think Ben can really do that too good. And so, yeah, we want him to stand in a pocket that's collapsing and try to deliver down the field and hopefully throw a, an accurate enough pass that it doesn't end up going to our ball-hawking speed demons in Amos, Savage, Alexander, and Stokes, and King. Because <laughs> I I always forget that Amos is actually extremely fast, too. Again, I don't know what he runs anymore, but he ran a 4-3-9, so this guy, is uh, he's got some speed. Even if he's up to like a 4-4-3, that's fast. So in all honesty, this may be a very boring game. I hope it's not, because the Packers are doing well offensively, but my assumption is it's going to be a lot of offenses trying to figure out how to make this work against these defenses. By the way, that strategy also works in terms of pressure for Ben Roethlisberger. Again, not necessarily because their offensive line is trash, which it is. He's taken a ton of sacks, so I have a feeling we're going to want to take advantage of that. Again, it's all about just crowding. Um, But if you look at him in a clean pocket, 73 overall grade, again, not elite, fantastic, whatever, but um, 73 of 106, almost 70%, 669 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He has a 25 overall grade while there's pressure. Now, again, we've gone up against a bunch of quarterbacks where that's the case. And we, you know, Jameis, if it was an absolute crime against humanity that we would not bring pressure against Jameis. But I have a feeling we've, we've sort of rectified that. Um, while under pressure, we've got uh, 10 completions on 24 attempts, 132 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. That comes with one big time throw and five turnover worthy plays. He's been sacked eight times. Uh, let's see how many fumbles there's been because he has a 20.1 passer rating and he has a abysmal fumbling grade. He's got two fumbles. So he's thrown three picks, two fumbles. That's five turnovers in three weeks. And again, he's been sacked eight times in three weeks. And it's not like one team got eight and nobody else. It was 2-2-4. Two, two, in Cincinnati, by the way, not exactly elite group of pass rushers. Same with Las Vegas, although again, for some reason those guys are going off, but two sacks from them. And Buffalo, even. They don't have, I mean, it's not the 49ers or the Steelers or even the Saints for that matter. They don't, I know they're praised for having this great defense. They don't have, tell me who the elite pass rushers are. They don't really have them. They're fine, but I mean, there's nobody that's like a top 10 pass rusher on that team. Same for the Raiders, same for the Bengals, same for the Packers technically, but point is, more than enough opportunities against these guys. Their offensive line is doing terrible. Ben Roethlisberger is doing them no favors. Again, same same theory as Justin Fields. Ben Roethlisberger is to blame partially for these sacks. Anyways, wanted to run through a couple different things. There's been a lot of talk about, are we going to go out and get somebody? Um... Generally, my answer is, well, I mean, you got to get somebody to replace them generally, but talking about like taking big time swings specifically to fill those voids, 
I just don't think they exist. That's not to say we can't get an edge rusher, but is there an edge rusher to replace Zadarius? No, there isn't, unless they trade for somebody. But who's going to trade somebody? Who's going to trade somebody on Zadarius Smith's level at this point in the season? It's just, I don't think it's going to happen. Now, with MVS, it's a little bit different because, again, I don't think MVS is a world beater of a football player. He never has been. What he is is fast. And again, if you're just looking for somebody that can get down the field quickly, there may be some people out there that can do that. But anyways, uh, I figured we'd look through this list a little bit. Um, One guy that immediately comes to mind, um, if you're just looking for a guy that, again, not a fantastic football player, but he is a speed threat, never really done very much, but John Brown, wide receiver, is available right now. Now, Again, this feels like a very non-Packers thing to do, but, um, you know, John... He's, he's essentially graded out better than MVS almost every single year that he's been in the NFL. <laughs> and uh, he ran a 4-3-4 40 times, so he's got blazing speed. And again, this was back in probably 2013 when he ran that. But even if he's a 4-3-9 guy now, he's basically MVS. Assuming he's staying in shape, he's, he's been a free agent all this year. He did play for Buffalo last year, ended up getting 544 yards. In fact, he got 1,100 yards for Buffalo in 2019. 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. So you know, I, again, it feels like something the Packers wouldn't do. Is it something I would do? Yeah, of course. I don't know why not. I mean, I understand there's a whole chemistry thing and the Packers are all about, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't understand our system. He doesn't, dude, tell the guy to run in a straight line. Okay. Bring him in and say, Hey man, run in a straight line. He's been in, he's been playing football for years and years and years and years and years. He's been in the NFL since 2014, unless he's just completely physically fallen off. If we're just looking for a, a, a replacement for MVS, even a, a short-term one, I, I, I mean, the fact that nobody's calling him right now, and maybe it's partially due, he's just asking for too much money, I don't know. Sometimes that happens where guys make themselves free, agent, uh, free agents by just refusing to accept the low pay. But um, if he's receptive, I would absolutely be willing to do that. Because again, I don't have a super high opinion of MVS. I like MVS, whatever. But he's never been an elite football player, and neither really has John Brown, although, again, John Brown has been better than MVS, I think. Otherwise, um, Seth Roberts, who actually last played for the Packers, is an option. Maybe they call him back. He ran a 4-4-4 back in the day. Plus, he's 6-2, so he's kind of tall. Packers seem to like that stuff. As far as edge guys, um, Olivier Vernon's out there, which is an option. I like Olivier Vernon. I think um, we've seen the decline, but, you know, duh. But still, I mean, last year he had a 74 overall grade. He was one of the guys that I wanted when Cleveland picked him up. I thought he'd be a good addition. He ended up kind of dominating with an 80 overall grade last year, being a rotational guy. Then he took a step forward in terms of snap counts, took a slight step back. But again, 75 overall is still better than pretty much every one of our guys is grading right now. Um, The pressures aren't um, elite, but 51 on 463 attempts is... 11% and he had nine sacks on the year. So basically almost double digits. Um, You know, again, he's almost 31 years old. He may be wanting a little bit more money than we want to pay. We might also be thinking in terms of, you know, Zedarius is going to come back at some point. So we don't need to panic and pay a bunch of money that we can't afford for a guy like Olivier Vernon. But it's an option. If we wanted to get a Z replacement, this might be our best option. Are they going to do it? 97.9% sure they're not. Um, Trent Murphy, Alden Smith, John Simon, Adrian Claiborne, Vic Beasley, Kalea Correa, Reggie Gilbert. Reggie Gilbert, bring him back. Pick a name you like, get excited about it, tweet that they should do it, and then get mad when they don't. 
that's that's all I can ask you to do because that's all there is to do at this point. There is also something else to consider, though. They're they're not going to do it prior to this game. Depending on how this goes, they may be kind of a wait and see. If this is a catastrophe, right, if Preston and Rashawn are not getting the pressures necessary, maybe they look into bringing another another guy. If they really struggle with receivers and, and they realize not having a speed threat is a massive problem, we just don't have anybody that runs in the four threes, which I don't know why that would be necessary, but whatever, maybe they start to look into it. Um so we'll kind of have to see. But obviously, if they play the Steelers and they dominate them, they're not going to go out and panic and pay a bunch of money for Olivier Vernon. So there were a couple other things here, but I think I'm going to call it because it's kind of all in-depth stuff and we're at 45 minutes or so. Plus, it's already late. It's after 8. This should have been posted two hours ago. So uh, we're going to call it. Make sure you tune in tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be the same thing it was last week. I'm just going to make fun of the Steelers. And that's you know, we'll talk about a few other things, news updates, maybe touch on a few of these questions and comments I got from people. Um, but I really, I just want to dig into them and make fun of them and have a good time and party and all those kinds of things. So don't miss that. But otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>